This is Superlative, a podcast about watches, the people behind them, and the worlds that inspire them. Spending time with the blog to watch community and the stories we discover. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here with the Superlative Podcast. My guest today is Viral Rajan. He's the uh, owner and director of Time Avenue, a store that sells watches in Mumbai. And you also have a Rolex boutique. Viral, welcome. Hi, thank you so much. So I understand that you're uh, now celebrating an anniversary. I think it's 25 years uh, of the business. Is that right? That's correct. We completed 25 years last month uh, and uh, very excited because uh, the journey has been so amazing and we have evolved over time and it's, I mean, it's, it's great. I and mean, we are very happy where we are and looking forward you know, to many more years to come. Now, let's, let's position the business. Now, you're in Mumbai, obviously uh, a very important city in India, and you sell other brands, but of course, you are an authorized Rolex dealer. How many other authorized Rolex dealers are there in Mumbai? Do you know? There are four, four authorized sales points in Mumbai at the moment. Four, and you're one of them. And that is a very elite position. And my guess is that 25 years ago, when you started, or soon after that, yeah, that that's sort of when you, you started as a Rolex dealer. Or did the Rolex dealership come a lot later? Uh, it, it came later. It came around oh, uh, I see. 15, I think 15 years back. 15 okay, years so you started back. as a watch store. What were you selling before you sold Rolexes? We had a uh, lot of brands. We sell AP, Lange, uh, Brigade, Blapa, Hublot, Frank. We had almost around 30 brands. And uh, the, the market was just opening up. Uh, of course, it's much more evolved today. And uh, so then we used to do multiple brands. You know, uh, there were not too many points of sale as well. We were the only ones in, in Mumbai at that time doing high-end watches. So we had almost all the top brands. You mentioned the market was just opening up. And, and again, I, I think what's interesting is to educate some of the outside world about the evolution of the watch market in India. Obviously, a very important market, um, uh, an evolving and a growing market. What happened, uh, you said, about 15 years ago? What, what opened up exactly? Uh, no, I mean, 15 years, we started so 25 years back, we started with two brands. Uh, the uh, importation of watches had just opened up in India. And... Uh, we were, you know, the, the, the whole industry was literally taking baby steps, literally crawling. And of course, now we are all going great guns. And during that time, it took a lot of, lot of phases and a lot of things to come to this point. You understand? Uh, when we started in India first, we had taxes of 110%, for example. Wow. Yeah. So for every watch, there was 110% tax on top of that. So it was more <laughs> than double the retail price. I'm talking about 20, 24 years back. I mean, of course, right, it right, evolved, right. evolved a long way and India is, of course, uh, it's, it's very different today. The market is much bigger and, uh, of course, the taxes are relatively much easier and things are very much in control. But where we come from and where we are today, uh, it's, of course, been too many ups and ups. I won't say ups and downs. Uh, that wouldn't be the right word, but too many changes. And we are very happy for all that. This is the, I mean, we are here for that reason. You understand that's change the system, the brands, the functioning of the brands, the clients. The client today is much more knowledgeable. Uh, previously, we had to educate them. We still do. But now the clients know everything. They want their watches. The business has gone probably 100 times what, than what it was at that time. So, of course, things are much better thanks to the policies as well. 
Do you think the consumers educating themselves on the internet? Because you said that they, they know so much more now. Where, where are they learning? Yeah, so from the net, from 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 something like this, this is so knowledgeable as well. Uh, where I mean, you know, on the net is the main source of information. Plus, people travel much more today, and uh, the more people buy watches, the more other people know about it. Their friends, their family. So it's you know everything put together. But of course, internet is a huge source of information today. Watch collecting is sort of addictive. I think that's sort of what we've learned, and what I found so fascinating by it is that no matter where you are in the world, what language you speak, what culture you come from, you'll find a watch you like and that your your friends will like. You know, it's interesting how international this is. And you said also about traveling. Do you find that people who travel a lot and come back to Mumbai tend to be the people uh, that like watches the most? I find that's the case actually here in California, that people who are well-traveled tend to be a little bit more into watches than people who aren't. No, it's not just about that. It's about lifestyle, right? I mean, the person who likes to travel on a holiday, likes to treat himself or herself, feels that they deserve the best. And, you know, that's that's one of the main things that are right. It's, uh, it's, about, uh, it's about treating yourself right. It just comes down to that. So, and watches, of course, is a part of it. Be it watches or bags or cars or travel or, you know, people are, uh, uh, they, they want to enjoy their life much more. And there are so many more avenues. It's much more easier to do that today. So it's not just about that. Uh, luxury is a lifestyle. Uh, you get it. So it's about the whole package deal. Of course, watches is a super important part of it. Uh, and for us, of course, it's a, the biggest part as far as I'm concerned. But most of my clients live the whole lifestyle. It's a whole package. That's what I'm trying to get at. So of course, tra- of course, traveling is part of it. Are, what are the major industries in, in Mumbai? Again, I, I, I know a lot of the major cities in India, but I don't know too much about the specifics. Um, are there all these different industries or are there a couple of industries that most of the clients that you have are, are making their money? Uh, Mumbai, is, uh, is, Mumbai is the financial capital of the country. Uh, we have the stock market, the film industry, industrialists. I mean, uh, it's everything. It's not just one industry. It's like the whole. It's like okay. the whole country so, by itself. So you're the you're, that's the bi- that's the biggest hub. So it makes sense that the highest end watches or the most consumption happens in Mumbai and in India, right? Uh, Mumbai, Delhi, these are the top top tier cities. Even the second tier cities, even Hyderabad, Bangalore. I mean, the the, the top five six major cities are doing fabulous. In fact, even the second tier cities are doing great. I mean, luxury on the whole at at, at, at every level has increased in the country. Uh, be it why of, is that? See, India is an evolving, growing market. We never had access to luxury 25 years back the way we have access today. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, also people uh, with with the internet, of course, people have realized what good things are. It's, uh, so everyone is aspiring at every level. A person who's, who's wearing a $1,000 watch wants a $2,000 watch. A person wearing a $100,000 watch wants a $200,000 watch. You know what I mean? Everyone is aspiring for bigger, better nicer, finer things. Is is consi- conspicuous consumption where you can be open about your luxuries, is that socially acceptable in Mumbai? I know it really depends on the city. You know, where I live in Los Angeles, it's okay to be a little bit flashy. I know that in a lot of parts of the world, it's not. Is Mumbai, uh, or at least the area that you're in in Mumbai, is it uh, a place where it's friendly to open luxury lifestyles? Yes, it's very friendly, very open, very safe. So, uh, as, as a city, Mumbai is extremely safe on that regard. And it, it's not even looked down upon. Uh, I mean, there's a whole culture. You see, people have flashy cars, nice watches. Uh, it's, it's part of the whole scenario. 
we, we go out to a nice restaurant. I mean, there are a lot of people. You see, in, in Mumbai itself, there are, uh, I think, almost uh, 14 million people. So, of course, we always see, uh, if, you're not, if you see the country, there's a very big section of where there are nice cars, nice people. Uh, and, and, I mean, you know, the amalgamation of both, uh, you, I don't think you get to see it in any other uh, place in the world uh, where uh, the super ultra rich and the uh, other other classes live very amicably and it's uh, it's it's not a, it's not unsafe or it's not looked down upon very interesting very interesting and in, in, in fact in fact people look up to it and say yes someday i want to reach there and get that watch or not every level so it's it's more inspiring i would say so it's the type of place where people feel like they could really be upwardly mobile like through some luck or hard work or some combination they could really improve their their situation in life at least yeah of course, it's city of dreams. Anything is possible. Yeah, very interesting. So let's go back 25 years when you started. You said with two watch brands. Mm-hmm. What was it about the market that made, I, I believe, your father want to start a, a, a high-end watch retailer in Mumbai? What was the environment like back then? Very raw. As I told you, we had almost 110%. So we started the store with, I think, around 20, 25 watches. Uh, that's it. And that was kind of the first store and I mean, they never, people never had an experience of having a luxury store in India at that point of time. Yeah, so where, where did you come up with this concept? You said that you know no, there was not a luxury store. Did you travel to some other places and say this would work well here? Like, I, it was a risk. Obviously, it was the right thing to do. Maybe you're ahead of your time. But I always get fascinated is what, what, what begins the trend because, you know, luxury watch stores have to be placed where there's people going to buy them. And they... They, they don't always work. So I'm just sort of wondering, like, what made it seem like a good idea at the time? Because obviously it was. Uh, my father was uh, was in the watch business even before the store opened. So, okay. uh, so he already knew it was in his pulse. I think he, after 25 years of being in the watch business, he opened his store. So he knew what he was doing. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it was not a calculative risk. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. It was not the first time he was doing in watches, so... I'm sure you started traveling with him to Europe and Switzerland to buy watches. Yes. Tell me about some of your memories as I don't know how young you were. Maybe you were as young as a boy going to, I'm sure, Basel World and things like that. Uh, yes. My first Basel was when I was 16 or 15. I, I mean, I barely Oh, that old and, even. I yeah, thought you were going to take it to a 10 or, or something. Or, or, or <laughs> maybe yeah, 16 or 17, something like that. What was it like? Uh, it was amazing. As a, as a, I remember it was path breaking in that country. I never seen or imagined something like that could be even existing, and uh, that that changed everything for me. I mean, I realized that this is where I want to be all my life uh, in this industry, and uh, yeah, because you see, it's it's just the first time you see it. It's it's just too uh, it's huge, it's humongous. You know, it's you just can't uh, you can't you can't fathom it the first time uh, you see it, and especially where I come from uh, from India, we always had. You know, uh, uh, just the beginning. Uh, you're just beginning at that time, uh, the industry, and seeing something with that where we could go eventually. That kind of changed my whole thinking towards the industry. Saying, "Yeah, we can be there," and uh, here we are. What was it like having the meetings with the brands? Obviously, you had different meetings over time when you would sit there, and they, of course, wanted you to buy their product. What types of things did they say to you? How did they convince you that they were the right place to invest your money? We had great brands. Plus, my dad was there. He was always already in the industry. 
So uh, I was just following him and learning and just keeping quiet and listening more at that time. And of course, the brands, the products are always so fascinating. There was not very, very difficult to convince anyone to buy them because they are unbelievable products. Uh, only, only past three or four or five years has uh, been, uh, you know, exploding so much as far as all the top brands are concerned. But uh, they were always that special. You get it. A Rolex, an EP, a Patek, they, they were always special. It's just, it's just that people over time, more people have realized it and, uh, and you know, of course, things have gone and exploded over time. But uh, an, a Rolex 15 years back or an EP 15 years back was as amazing as it is today. Would you say that Mumbai has any particular special taste in watches, meaning that there's certain designs or types of watches or even brands that work better there? Or is Mumbai like any major city like it and, and, and a lot of the same watches work there, work in Los Angeles or, you know, Tokyo or Miami or London or whatnot? That's completely correct. In international city, what happens all over the world works here as well. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the big, the big colorful, and see, we have very different, uh, and we have a huge population, you have to understand that. Uh, so the demand for everything works. A person who's 60 wants a, or 60, 65, 70 wants a classic watch. And a person who's 25 wants something funky. Uh, so everything works, of course, uh, uh, as long as, uh, so there's no, there's no particular uh, style, I would say. Uh, what works worldwide uh, works just right here because most of our mo- people from Mumbai are, are travelers. We have uh, we have the movie industry here, for example. So they're very in touch with what's happening as far as fashion is concerned, on lifestyle wise. You know that's uh, so. It's not any. If you love watches and you live in India, is it a good idea cost wise to buy a watch in India, or is it in like some places? more cost-efficient to travel elsewhere. Um, that can make a big difference uh, on, you know, uh, of course, business. Uh, maybe that would be the case maybe 20 years back. But today, I think India is very aggressive with their pricing. Uh, with, I think, almost every product that is there. Uh, we are on par uh, with 90% of the world, or 95 probably, I would say. Which is very okay, so that means a low, a relatively low tax. There is, of course, tax... Um, and this is, I think, an important topic because in a lot of places of the world, there are very high taxes levied on these products. And if you're someone who has the money to buy a luxury watch, you probably also have the money to get a plane ticket and go elsewhere and buy it cheaper. And so a lot of countries have made the decision one way or another to have a high tax or a low tax. Um, and that makes a big effect on the market, right? Uh, yes, it does. So taxes in our country are not less, are not low as such. Of course, they're not 100 percent, 110 for that matter. But uh, you know, traditionally the taxes in India were so high. Uh, for that, the brands used to always uh, give us slightly better pricing to uh, you know to make the to make the price more attractive to the Indian consumer. Uh, so uh, eventually, the taxes have come down, and I, I feel. Uh, at this point in time, maybe we are slightly cheaper than in certain brands, cheaper than most other countries as well. And it's always better to buy for an Indian to buy in India. You can get the service. You can, you know, uh, you can you can go all over the world, and no one has to question you for anything. And it's very aggressively priced. There's no reason for a client in India to go anywhere. I mean, one should buy it from India. Uh, ideally, only from my store. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But generally, <laughs> anywhere from India is is the right person, the right place to buy. 
I mean, we're very aggressive in our pricing for every product that is. Interesting, interesting. So you were saying that about 15 years ago, you got the Rolex dealership. Now, that's a, that's a big deal. A lot of people say that if you get a Rolex authorized dealership status, while life doesn't necessarily get less complicated, they also say you're sort of set for life. Is that true? Is getting a Rolex authorized dealership just sort of meaning that like you're you're going to be okay financially unless you do something really stupid? See, it's the crown and it's an honor to deal with a brand like Rolex. It's uh, one of, I would say, the best things that happened to us as a company. And we are honored and humbled and always, uh, it's a crown. We have to treat it with respect and always, you know, keep that in mind. And we are very lucky to have it, of course. Some of the best brands in the world. Now, over the last couple of years, demand for Rolex watches got pretty high. And for a long time, Rolex said, we're not going to increase production to meet this demand because we think that this is temporary. And now recently, it's, it seems like Rolex is, in fact, increasing production. As someone that sells the product, what are your feelings about the fact that it looks like Rolex is going to be increasing production? I, I Again, I have no idea um, how you might feel about it, but I'm very interested to know how that is. I really have no idea on, on this information, but I know whatever Rolex does, it's the right thing. I mean, they know what they're doing, and that's why they are where they are. They, it's, it's definitely a, a relationship with a lot of respect in there. Is working with Rolex similar to other watch brands or do you have the Rolex relationship and then you have the relationship with all the other companies? Every, I mean, it's, all brands have, I mean, yeah, we have good relations with every brands in that way, but uh, I mean, I have a Rolex. Rolex is for me extremely important and one of the most important brands in my store, in my company, if that's what you're asking. You, do you have a separate Rolex boutique or is it, a, yes. is it sold within your... Okay, so you have your own Rolex boutique. Is Rolex also sold in the Time Avenue store or only in your mono boutique? No, it's only in the, in, in the mono boutique. Okay, okay. What's it, what's it like running a, a Rolex mono boutique? A lot of people you know, around the world that are special, you know, dealers like yourselves have this wonderful privilege. Is it, is it similar to running you know, the Time Avenue store or is it very different? I mean, both stores sell watches, but I'm, just, I'm curious, managerially or from a sort of a day-to-day perspective, how different is it to run a Rolex store? Uh, two different things, I would say. Yes, because in Rolex, we have... We always need more watches and we never have the product, unfortunately, because if we have one watch, we have we have, we have at least 10 people who want it, which is lovely. And of course, in, so most of the time we have to, uh, we, are, we are unable to, you know, fulfill our clients' wishes in Rolex. Of course, in Time Avenue, we have the product and it's relatively more easier to get the other brands. I'm not saying that it's uh, extremely easy. Of course, some other watches are still difficult to get. But uh, not as difficult as Rolex, I would say. Now, again, a lot of people, you know, had to go to you to ask for Rolex watches. You had to say no. What What was your particular strategy for trying to tune all this stuff out? Because I think that for a lot of, you know, authorized dealers, you probably wanted this whole situation to go away. You wanted to go back to being able to make most customers happy. What was your personal strategy to dealing with this because I, I it, it was a hard time for everyone. Yeah, it's always tough, and unfortunately, you cannot please everyone. Uh, but that's how it is. I mean, nothing can be done. Uh, we would love to please everyone, and I'm sure 
uh, even Rolex would love to, but there are certain limitations uh, with uh, the amount of products you can make, right? But technically, it's all handmade and you know, all very special. So, yeah, can't please everyone. Unfortunately, we don't have the watches. And I and uh, we don't know how soon or uh, we, we'll be in a position to make every customer walks in uh, happy, you know, to deliver that. I think it's still a long time away. I just think that it's such an interesting phenomenon because we know this sort of Rolex craze isn't going to last forever. And I really wonder what we're going to be saying about it 10, 20 years from now. I mean, I, I wonder what they're going to call this period. It's such a fascinating thing where the world is going through so much craziness and in all that is this incredible demand for luxury watches. <laughs> it, it's almost funny and humorous. Like, it's almost absurd. I just wonder how historians will think about this period. You know what I mean? I completely agree with you. But yeah, I think it's a golden <laughs> period for luxury watches, I guess. <laughs> I, I love how around the turn of the century, actually not long after your store started, you know, people in the media, at least in the U.S., were talking about how, you know, people won't be wearing watches in the future and kids won't know what they are and this is <laughs> going to be something that no one talks about. And and here we are. And I mean, it's the total opposite is true. It's kind of amazing how sticky this industry is. You said that, you know, when you were young, uh, obviously, you grew up in the industry, but then go into Basel world, you see the magic of it. I think anyone who tastes the magic of the luxury watch industry, like implicitly knows it's not going anywhere for a very long time. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, for sure, of course. I mean, it's luxury is always going to be there. And uh, I, I, I remember when, when, when we saw smart, smart watches coming in, uh, I have a few, I had a few friends, they were telling me, no one's going to buy a watch anymore because a smart watch is coming. So, but, but people don't buy watches to see the time. You know, it shows you your time. You get what I'm saying? I mean, so it's, it's, it's of course a fashion statement and a style statement, but people buy good things first for themselves to feel good. Now, I want to see my time in a $200,000 watch. I mean, for example, you know, it, it's that. It's never going to go down. People always want to feel special and they always want special things. And look, a watch is... is one of the few pieces of jewelry that a man can, you know, very universally wear. And it doesn't really expire. It's not like a, a jacket that's trendy and then maybe two years later doesn't look good anymore. I mean, you can, if you get the right watch choice for 20, 30 years or more, you can still get value out of it. Of course. It's, it's, uh, it's like art. It's art with a heartbeat. You see? <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. If you put it in, in, in very simple words, it's art with a heartbeat. It's living art, which is a life. And you can't put a price on art, right? It's, it's just that. I mean, I, I can buy tomorrow a, a 200-inch 64K TV, but it can't, can't compete with the Mona Lisa, right? You get what I'm saying. It's, it's the art. It's, it's tradition. It's, it has a story. It has history. It's much more than just, just telling the time. You know, I, I see a different kind of poetry in watches, at least for a particular perspective. And I see it as being a place where you can have artificial per perfection in a world where really nothing is perfect. And there's something about seeing a machine that, you know, objectively speaking, is perfect. <clears throat> and there, and it, it, it calms us. It almost makes us believe that we can make perfect order out of the chaos of the world. Maybe it's a story. Maybe it's just an emotion. But the more 
precision made, the more accurate, the more ideal in terms of durability and longevity these are, it, it sort of, and again, we made these things, right? Yeah. It gives us a comfort as to what our species can do, like what achievements our civilization has made over the forces of nature. I agree. It's, uh, it sounds it sounds so nice. I, I really never thought of it like that. But yeah, actually, you're going to see it's, it shows what we can do. And 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 a good watch reminds you of that every time of about perfection, about where how far we can push ourselves to to do anything, you know. So it's I, yeah. I I think about time in general and our measurement of it is really a human construct. And I talk about this a lot, but I think it's fascinating where you know we decided this system, this arbitrary measure is what we're gonna call time, and mm. then we're gonna base our entire lives around around it whether it's the seasons and the years and calendars or what we do during the day. And then we built these machines to display this measure that we created. The, the, again, the entire way we think about time is, mm. a, is a human construct based upon how us as a species you know, sees the world, but also how we interpret the world and things like that. And then we made machines. I mean, if you think about an alien creature maybe trying to understand our, our wristwatches, they theoretically could be baffled by it. It's so specifically <laughs> designed to the way that we perceive the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. I guess that would sound. That sounds I know it's just... very new. It's very like philosophical, but it's there's so many weird appreciations for this this category. There's so much passion behind it. You almost need to get philosophical to truly understand what it is we see in these products. No, I, I agree. See, the, these products are, are all about emotion. It's all about emotion and and the belief in doing something which has not happened or doing something which is better. It's all about, as as you said, it's all about perfection and uh, how how better, how more perfect we can make something which is already perfect. It's very difficult, uh, but yes, we I mean we are working and going in that direction for sure. And what you said also, your the, your take on this is also very interesting and. Uh, I think the watchmakers, the people, the really the people behind the the the, the ones who are creating the watches, uh, they have to. I'm sure they have that faith and the belief, and that's what keeps them pushing and doing something so innovative every time. You cannot do this without belief and uh, a, a thought process like that. What attracts you to that mentality, that that artistic uh, combination of you know creativity and engineering? Why why is that interesting to you personally? I. I just generally love something which is like, you know, a, a, a block of metal generally and it has life in it. I, I just can't get over that concept. It's, it's you know, the whole tick, the life. It's it's something which is, uh, which is very, very, very human about it in a way. You know what I mean? It's, it's like we have a heartbeat and the watch is ticking and you see the intricacies of a watch today, what, what they have done and how it tells you time in different ways. It, it's, it's just fascinating. To see it, and, uh, um, and and every time we feel that wow, this is something different. Next year we go to the fair, we see the new products, and it's again amazing how they did a different, a different company, a different take on it. Basically, it's our our destination is the same every time. It's just how we go to it, and it's I, I guess that's that's kind of fascination, you know, a lot. Hi, I'm Ariel Adams, founder of a blog to watch with a message from eBay, a platform I probably use daily. 
Make sure your watches are the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guarantee. I believe it's the first and best service of its kind that protects your luxury purchases and checks each watch individually at eBay's highly reputable authentication partner, Stolen Company, in the United States. From band to bezel, their authenticators ensure each wristwatch matches the eBay listing and is the real deal. Authenticity guarantee is also very fast. Once authentication is complete, your watch is securely delivered via rapid two-day shipping. Surprisingly, eBay's authenticity guarantee service is free for all watches priced $2,000 and up. No one should buy a luxury item without an authenticity guarantee. Do what I do and check eBay before each watch purchase because everyone deserves real. How has the growth of the entertainment industry in India been for the growth of the luxury industry? My guess is that it's been a strong correlation. Um, but having mega celebrities in your country that I'm guessing are enjoying luxury products, how has that been for your business? Of course, it's great because uh, the, uh, the, uh, the whole movie industry is from uh, the Bollywood movie, Hindi movie industry is from Mumbai. You have a lot of, and these are the these are the people who, who other people look up to, you know. Uh, so um, most of the people what watch they buy kind of it kind of becomes a trend. Now of course we have many actors and celebrities who are brand ambassadors for different brands. But previously, like 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 fifteen twenty years back, you know people used to just look up to what they're wearing, and that is to follow the trend literally. So I I remember we had sold. Uh, I won't let you take the brand name, but four or five watches to really good actors. I'm talking about 20 years back, and things just exploded because uh, that's that's the advertising which uh, which is not paid. You see, the person is buying the watch and is wearing it, so it's very different passion uses out of that, and that kind of really helps with people understanding, seeing that it's special. It's you know, it, it makes a difference. Of course, the movie industry, the fashion industry, makes a huge difference in in general. For nicer things in life, which includes watches, you see. So that did make a huge difference, and it's still making a difference. I've always got the sense that while the Indian consumer likes luxury, there's also a high interest in practicality, longevity, durability, and my guess is that that translates into watch taste. Where the watches that are appreciated are ones that are great tool watches, but of course, you know, very well made. Rolex is a perfect example. Would you say that's accurate, or is there a different way you describe some of the some of the ways that um, the the average Indian consumer looks at shopping for a watch? No, you see, all depends on the pricing. You see, uh, a person buying his first watch will look at it very differently. A person buying his fifteenth watch will look at it very differently. So there is no universal thing. Yes, of course, everyone wants value. Everyone wants it uh, to be durable, and th and that goes without saying. Uh, I mean, that's that's part of the package when you're buying an expensive watch. But of course, you see, it depends which watch you're buying, how old the person is, is it his first watch? Like we have clients, uh, I mean, we sell watches from uh, $1,500 $1, $1, to even half a million dollars. Of course, a person buying a $1,500 to $2,500 or $5,000 watch, his mindset is completely different than someone who's buying a $100,000 plus. So there's no average universal way to say it. Of course, the universal thing would be longevity. It has to last long i mean of course that goes without seeing the product of this caliber but yeah uh, a lot of the high-end clients they want something different and they want something unique which which nobody else in the room would share there are other people who only want something classic and they want to stick to the to the tradition but you see eventually everyone goes a step higher and and after you have 
for example, your, your, so your top 50 watches, then what? Then, then the independence work very well for us. People want something which is unique, made for them. So at every step is different. It's always, uh, there's, you know, and India is such a huge market. So we kind of have to see to it. Everyone is happy with, uh, I mean, we, we kind of, you know, we, we study our client and we give our client what we, what we feel is right for them. It's not just, they don't come to us. I want this watch. They will say, you know, we want something nice. Why don't you suggest us? It's, it's, that's more with my clients. We guide them to the whole process, what is right for them. And I think that's so important to point out because the value of a good uh, watch store is that relationship with the client. That relationship takes time and effort. It's expensive. It's long-term. There's no way of doing shortcuts. I've never really seen brands, most brands, able to do it themselves. I still think that it's a wiser model to rely on local businesses such as yourselves that can truly invest in a community in a way that no, you know, international brand ever could, right? Uh, yes, because see, India, uh, not just India, I would say any any luxury product, like a thing like watches, is not about uh, the personal touch. You see, that's, that's ultimately luxury. People want to see the face. They want to meet the person, talk to them, and they want to enjoy purchasing their watch from wherever they, they're buying it. So, so that's, uh, and, and I, I personally feel the human touch is extremely important. One person, like I know most of my clients, and if I don't attend them directly, at least I'll go tell them hi. And this feels very special. Uh, and, and I think the Indians always want that, uh, uh, you know, the, we are so used to, we are, we are, as a very close-knit, close-knit families, we all live in, in general, many of them are still living in joint families. Our culture is very, very personal, very one-on-one. Uh, and I think for uh, for us, that's one of our strengths, what makes us different from everyone else, many other stores in the country. Why do you get that right and so many others don't get it right? Everyone has their own strategy, but this is what uh, this is how we work and it kind of works for us very well. Okay, so you basically have made a dedication to it. You said relationships with the community and the consumer, that's something we want to do and that's part of your driving mission. Exactly, that's the whole idea. We have, we have, you know, uh, people from the same family. Uh, my, my, my father used to sell watches to the grandfather. Now the same family, the grand, the grandchildren buy from me. It's, you know, it's like how you have a family jeweler since fifty years, hundred years. Same way, we have a family with people come to us to buy watches because their their forefathers did. You see, it's it's that's how it goes. So for I need to be there. I need to have that personal touch because that's what they come for. That's the USP of our business, you see. It must and be hard with your schedule. You must be invited to so many family events, I'm sure weddings and celebrations of all types. And of course, you can't go to them all. But how do you manage, you know, needing to be involved in these people's lives and families, but um, uh, not obviously being able to be everywhere at the same time? How do you do it? Yeah, but we choose the most important things. And the most important thing is time avenue for me. So... And uh, and it's fun. See, ultimately, all comes down to passion and what you love doing. Uh, so, if you love doing something, it's it's fun, and uh, and that's what we are. We are having a great time doing our business, uh, meeting amazing people, uh, and I really enjoy doing it. So, it's you know, I'd, I'd rather be at work and meet few friends and clients of mine rather than going out sometimes. So, you know, it's it's interesting. If work is fun, it's interesting. Then it's not uh, you don't need to compromise. Uh, you see, much things. It just comes with the flow. 
it's very easy and it's that's part of my DNA really you know no I mean you grew up in it and I'm you I think you said it there it's fun I mean going to celebrations is by definition fun and it doesn't even necessarily have to be your family so you just have to get to enjoy it and leave and not have to think about it too much and you know <laughs> they're they're buying watches from you um it's it's sort of like you are blessed with an enormously big family, a huge one that most people can never have. And that's that's kind of great. I mean, a, a retailer, uh, an American retailer years ago said to me that the watch industry is a celebration industry. And, <clears throat> and it struck me how correct that was because if you think of the reasons – why people buy watches. It's not It's not why they choose a particular watch. It's the opportunity. It's this thing happened, now I want to buy a watch. It's usually when they're celebrating something. And so that yeah. was true, that this is the celebration business. You are there. Your, your business, it's so easy to say you're there to sell them watches. No, you're there to help them recognize celebrations and make them feel good about it. And every time they have something to celebrate, they're going to come back to you. That's the business you're in. Yeah, that's right. We, 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 uh, most people come to mark something important in their life. You know, m- maybe their, uh, their son's 16th birthday or the, uh, the firstborn daughter or something special. You're completely correct. They, they, they are, they're kind of, uh, they're part of the celebrations. Watches, it's, it's that important. I, I never realized it, but most people buy things just to mark something important in their life. It's so correct. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. mm. They, they, they. T- this is the way I, I think of it even more precisely. They have a memory, a good memory, and they want to tie it to an object. And a watch is a very easy object to tie a memory to. And the idea is that if you tie the memory to it, anytime you pick that object up, you <clears throat> remember that thing. You remember that memory. Maybe that's the promotion. Maybe it's the child. Maybe it's the wedding. Maybe it's the trip. The whatever the accomplishment. If you do it the right way, you'll remember that accomplishment and the feeling around it when you handle that object. And that's an incredible value that wristwatches have. And no one can quite explain why wristwatches have that more than clothing or cars or toys or anything like that. Yeah, it's just because weird. see, it's no, it's there's a reason for it. A wristwatch, uh, I mean, of course, even cars and clothes can be, but wristwatch can be. It's very easy to store. It's it's it's. You know, it has a, a, a really a, a full touch and feel to it. Like, say, my my father wore a watch, and, and after ten years I see it, it has the memories. I mean, a, a clothes you can you, you can wear a watch every day for life. Same watch every day for life. There are people who I know who wear one watch for two years, and after two years they'll buy another watch and they'll wear it till they're, they sleep with it. Also, it's very much more personal than I would say clothes and a car generally. You know, because it's with you all throughout. That's that's my. I mean, I love cars. Don't get me wrong. But in 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 ten years, I would want to a newer car, and I might not be able to keep it in my garage. But watch, I can keep fifty in my in my drawer, right? If I have to. So it's right. it's, it's easier that way, uh, and I think it's uh, it's ornamental. It's expensive. You see, a watch can go to millions, and it will last for a lifetime. You see, even after two hundred years, the watch will be there. Maybe two hundred years, clothes might not be there. Or maybe the car might not exist, but a watch always stays. And I wanted to take it back to the idea of the business you're in because I, I don't think that watch brands fundamentally understand that. Even if it's explained to them, they still think that they're in the commodity selling business and they're there to promote 
the virtues of their product. And <laughs> that strategy doesn't work as well as yours, does it? Um, no, I think uh, the, the, the top-end brands, they know what, they, uh, you know, they, they feel it in their heart. That's the reason why they are number one today. You see, because they feel the pulse of it. And you have to believe in that to sell watches. If you don't believe in that, you just think, I, I don't think most brands think of their watches just as an X product to sell in one sense. I don't think so. There's a lot of passion, a lot of, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of heart put into these products. I mean, it comes from deep in their soul, literally, I would say. It's not just make and sell and forget about it. I, I, I wouldn't agree to that. At least with the top brands, they don't work that way. Everything well, is I mean in the retail environment. If you look at the store, the idea is our brand is awesome, buy from us, which is great. But remember, the customer wants to celebrate themselves, not the brand. The customer <laughs> wants to celebrate themselves with the brand. So the brands still don't understand this because their stores and their showrooms and their entire buying experience is still celebrate the brand. The consumer is supposed to celebrate the brand. Yes, I agree. I completely agree, but that's where we come in. And uh, we guide them to the whole process because, of course, every brand is fantastic. Uh, but uh, what's right for you and what looks good on you and you know, it's all a watch like a personality. You see, everyone cannot wear everything. It's, it's, it's like it's like medicine, you know. Uh, so you can't have a straight one one pill for everyone, right? It's, it's you have to guide them to the process, see what they want. It's like that. So uh, we come to the process and guide the client what is right for them. Of course, any any way you spend twenty thousand dollars, or ten thousand dollars, or five, or or hundred thousand, is it going to be a good watch? It's it's it has to be. I mean, it's expensive. You know, it costs money. Uh, they have done their research and the R and D behind it. But uh, I, I, as I told you before, we are uh, we guide our clients what to get, uh, and that is that's what uh, I think most important for a client today to have the guidance. So you're good at at getting to know someone and then being able to predict what watches they might like and then you suggest stuff to them. Is that what you're saying? That's correct, yes. And would you say that you're good at this? Like this is a school, skill that you're particularly good at? Yeah, this is something which uh, I'm personally good at. And actually, it's all about good at. This is what the client needs. You know, we are the watch people. We have the information, the knowledge, what is good, what's what's better. And if we cannot pass on the knowledge to our client and and guide him to buy the right product, then there's no point of us being here. You know, we we don't want a, we want a client to come back saying, yes, my last purchase, how much of a time back was amazing and I've come for my new purchase. You know, we want them to, we want the client to come back. So we have to guide them properly. It's, it's part of our job, you know, so So do they normally trust you the first time or do you got to convince them? Because I, I agree you probably know the product that would make them happy. But I suspect that some customers like don't believe you the first time or don't agree themselves. And and like it takes them longer to realize what you told them in like 10 seconds. No, see, people are still learning. They like to understand it. And most times, of course, we are correct. Uh, but some people like, uh, I mean, they have sometimes some people have already something in mind. And it's very personal. You see, oh, oh. I mean, it's it's like it's like your your five fingers of your hand. Everything is different, uh, and we have to. Once you see the client, we see what he likes, and we know exactly what his style is. I don't know how to explain it to it in words, but I've been doing it since twenty five years, and uh, and ninety percent of the times the client is happy with what we suggest because we know what we're suggesting, and you know 
we have been doing that since a long time so we never fail in that respect out of two or three watches what we feel what he wants we speak to him get what he wants and uh, it's it's always happens do you carry some of the more independent watch brands i know that you 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 had a press release that said something about manufacturer real how many brands do you carry would you consider to be quote unquote independent independent high end watch brands uh, we are really going strong in the independent brand section now we have just taken the manufacturer royal uh, we are we have also got global force we have alchemist watches as well and couple of other brands in the pipeline we are trying to uh, uh, you know I, i feel the independent brands have been uh, so doing so well and uh, of course you're doing independent brands for a long time but now we are working in a much stronger way with these brands have exclusivity for the whole country for these watches and uh, maybe few and uh, we have a few more brands in the pipeline uh, i think by april we should have a confirmation on those as well but i think independent brands also are extremely important and uh, the kind of work they can do because they are not uh, they're very flexible uh it's more artistic and uh, they have the luxury of uh, doing something out of the box which most top brands would not even consider so and, and you know today as many of my clients they they want something which is unique they want something which is only made for them and this is an answer to them the, the independent brands can really go out of the way to customize a watch and it it's 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 very helpful to keep to make the client uh, to keep you engaged and interesting because someone who has everything they always looking for something uh, different you know many of my clients are there they say that you, you know viral i want to enter a room i don't want to see a single person among the thousand people wearing the same watch so it's not about just the money it's uh, it's about wearing something which nobody's got i you're right if you're wearing an alchemist watch is probably going to be the only one in, in town Yeah, probably it's a special watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. All of Google Force, all anything that special. Of course. Yeah. You, yeah. you bring up a very interesting point about personalization, and you know, if if you're selling somebody a watch from a Rolex or an Omega or Patek Philippe, the opportunity to get that watch personalized from a factory is very, really, very low or non-existent. Whereas the uh, independent brands, as we call them, are much more open-minded. to uh either actually customizing something for someone or producing things in such low numbers that the chances of someone else having one is very very low and i think it's very interesting you point out to a lot of consumers today that is much more valuable and and i've seen that you know there's a lot of amazing rolexes out there but i know that people feel a little bit weird if there's a few other people in the room that have the same watch and with a rolex because it is a fine timepiece There's a high likelihood of that, and some people love that, and some people uh, don't, right? Yeah, I, I agree. It's different for different people, but uh, see, as I told you, every we need we need all the markets. There are different types of people in the world, and all their wants are different. And there are some people who want their watch. Uh, I mean, you know, who, who are happy to see someone else wearing the same watch, and they feel bonded to the guy, you know, to the to the person in a way, saying, "Yeah, yeah, you know, like wearing the same watch," and it's a and some people don't like it it's very different uh, it's very relative but yes the, uh, today the independent brands what they can do and the level of work uh, i mean they can really go out of the way to do something which the bigger brands uh, don't even have the time to work in that direction so yes it does uh, fill a huge gap 
which uh, which Rajasthan filled. Independent brands are in a position to do that. And I think it's going to be a strong a strong market for these brands in India as well. It's going to be exploding. It is right now as we speak, but it's only going to get bigger and better. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I agree. I, I'm actually curious about uh, watches made in India. I know Titan is a big one. And uh, for the most part, these watches really aren't sold too much out of India. At least they're not sold in the United States. How how are Indian-made watches? Are they good watches? Is it something that people grow up with them and, and the, the bar is set quite high because they have high expectations? I guess, yeah. Good value for money watches. Uh, uh, it's big. Titan is a huge brand. I have no idea on Indian watches, actually. I've never sold an Indian watch. But yeah, they're, they're <laughs> great products. Uh, I'm sure they're great products and they do very well. It's one of the biggest brands in the country, a local brand, of course. So, I'm, just, so it sounds like they don't really have high-end collections. It sounds like no, it's pretty... No, no, they have high-end collections as well. I'm just not the right person. Oh. I don't have enough knowledge. Uh, they have solid gold watches and special watches as well. I mean, not Turbios and Minute Repeaters and things like that. Uh, but uh, yes, I guess they do have special gold watches. I'm sure they do something special. So it's very interesting that you, your store, as you said, you don't sell Indian watches. I, there, th- that's interesting. Um, and again, I think that's common. If you go uh, to China, for example, there's stores that will sell Chinese watches and there's stores that will sell, quote, foreign watches or things like that. Is that very much the case in India as well, that there's mm-hmm. the, the high-end foreign watch stores and then maybe the local-made watch stores? Mm, that's correct. Yes, we, we, uh, that's, that's how it's going right now in India. But watches are a big thing in India. There's it's it's it, there's 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 a very uh, uh, playful sense of design. They're very very popular to have. I mean, it seems that watch wearing, uh, just in terms of the general populace, is very very high in India for the most part. Yes, it is. It's very high, and especially in the past ten years. See, with, again, that comes down to in access to information, the internet, what people see in the fashion. They see all the, for example, the the the, the rappers wearing the. Uh, the really bling watches, for example, or you know, you see the inf- access to information is so much more today, and people want to have the best for themselves, and they know now what the best is. So, of course, most people want the watches. It's, a, it's different that they have the money to buy it or not, but they have the knowledge. You see, uh, so that's 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 the first step. Was the knowledge, and then the money, and then they'll buy it. Now that we have a population of consumers who comes in armed with information, more or less knows that they want a lot of instances or, uh, again, is, is, is quite aware of, of a lot of things that are available. How does that change your business practice? Because, again, you're very good at telling people uh, what you think they should get. But now that they have certain expectations, I'm sure that's changed the types of brands you carry uh, or the allocations. Um, how has it changed your industry uh, with all these in- very informed consumers? See, this is a very important part of our business. We need, uh, uh, and and the whole idea of this is to, you know, people should have more information, have more knowledge, so then they have more hunger to buy more products. It ultimately comes down to knowledge. And yes, uh, we have, a. I mean, compared to 10 years back, we have many more clients today who know what they want, which is great. It makes our work easier as well. Uh, Access to information is much easier. So, and uh, as I told you, people travel a lot. They see everything. And they passionate of the many many a few sections of people are so passionate about the products so they do their research do their studies in fact sometimes once in a blue my meter customer who tells me something about the watch which i had no idea of uh, so yes uh, it, it's it's interesting that's also uh, and and sometimes i think it's it's beautiful to see a client 
knows so much and enjoying and when you see the smile on his face when he has it on his wrist, he knows what he has on his wrist. He knows how much time, passion, work has gone behind the product and he's so lucky to have something that special on his wrist. So, yes, it's it's good. The, then the more knowledge they have, they realize how special the product is. Otherwise, we have to explain to them it just makes our life and our work easier. Where do you see the Mumbai market going? Obviously, there's growth sustained interest and demand, you know, where does a business like yours go in the next five to 10 years if you had it your way? Business is going to, I think, it's going to be so much, it's not going to be possible for everyone. I mean, it's not, it, it, see, India, Mumbai is a huge market. We just want a big, bigger pie of that market. And uh, that also is enough. It's not possible to consume the whole pie, if you, if you ask me. It's, the market is so big today. Things are exploding. Uh, they are going much faster than I think any of the dealers or uh, retailers can uh, can really foresee and catch up. Uh, business in the past five years has become multifolds, and I think in the next ten years, uh, I mean everything will be much bigger and better, and uh, that's the only way it will be. Uh, Indians, I mean our market is not going to be any compromise either. You go all out with the knowledge, with the product, with your collection. Uh, with the way you, uh, with the way one, uh, you know, the display of the watches, the brands, the mix, uh, the, the, the knowledge of, uh, the, uh, the person behind the counter is the whole package deal is anyways become, become 10 folds in the past 20 years. And it's going to be 100 folds in the next five years. Uh, you know, all the luxury brands look at India as their main important market, which they didn't look at it maybe, I would say five, seven, 10 years back. So yes, the next five years are very crucial for for India and be very beneficial for the consumer because he'll get an experience on par with any other country or place in the world. So which is which is great, I think. What do you think about compared to China? Obviously, you know, the last decade China fueled a lot of growth and sales for European watch brands. Things are quite different in China, even though China is going to be continue to be a major market. When it comes to growth, who do you think has the edge? Is it going to be India or China? Yeah, unfortunately, we are, uh, numbers-wise, as far as watches are concerned, we are nowhere close to China. And if we were, uh, I guess we, we, we test 25% of that in the next five years, I'll be more than ecstatic. So interesting. So China is still a much larger market, but India is playing catch-up, so to say. There's no comparison, unfortunately. Why is that? I mean, it, you know, similar huge populations, a, a, a lot of very wealthy, successful people. Why is it that even though the love of watches seems to be very high in both places, the Chinese market is larger? Please, you really ask me, I also don't know why it should be such a big gap. Uh, but of course, I think that the per capita income of a Chinese, uh, of a Chinese family is much more than India, I assume. And uh, yeah, but we will get there. It's just a matter of time. We are still growing, you see, as a as a country, and we probably need more time to get there. But we will get there. It's a matter of time. But by the time we get there, I don't know how far China will be. <laughs> so, I, but, yeah. it's, it sounds like healthy competition. Yeah, I guess I don't see any competition. Um, the difference is huge. <laughs> yeah. Viral, this has been such an interesting conversation talking about. Um, Time Avenue, your store, and your, your of course, your Rolex boutique that you, that you operate. Um, please let everyone know, where can they find out more about you um, and, and your business on the internet? 
I, we have our Instagram. We have uh, our website. You can contact us there and we'd be happy to help you out with whatever is required. They're always, always available. Yeah. I had a great conversation, some great concepts. I I mean, uh, the way you spoke about time and watch and, you know, machines. I love some of the things. I never thought of it. It was very beautiful. <laughs> very I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Everyone, this has been the superlative uh, podcast with Viral Rajan of Time Avenue in Mumbai. Uh, if you're in the city, definitely check it out. Viral, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Superlative Podcast. Support the show by subscribing and rating it on your preferred podcast platform. For questions, comments, and ideas, please email the show at superlative at ablogtowatch.com. For the latest in watch news, reviews, and culture, visit ablogtowatch.com.